Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by space in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310982 4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire with lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a sin family and all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates the rainbow this is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through. A venue for community and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with Kim, then pick up the phone. 310-982-4273 to get through. Black Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. We don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. All right. Good evening. Welcome back to Black Free Thinkers Radio. You're tuned in to On Blast with Vita Star. I'm your host, Vita Star. And I also have some special guests that are going to be joining me um, tonight, and we're very excited about that. Um, what are we talking about tonight? We're talking about hip-hop. Why? Because it's a very important and very strong genre of music right now. And we want get, to get your thoughts on it. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, actually, we're going to... We actually have some people who are ready to join us right now and our guest. Seagats, are you on the line with me right now? Graydon? Okay, I guess they're not on the line yet. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But tonight, we're going to be discussing the current state of hip-hop and its effect on the hip-hop generation. What is the current landscape of hip-hop? Do the latest major releases, such as Born Center, Magna Carta, and Yeezus, give us hope for mainstream hip-hop, or is it the opposite? Is it just a rap for mainstream hip-hop? Have the majority of good artists gone indie or underground? We'll discuss all of that and more. Um, the second segment, segment of the show, but first we have some recent news topics fresh off the presses that we want you to weigh in on. Um, we're going to get to all that and more in just a few. We'll be right back. I want you to listen to this. I've got some music. And I want you to hear it. Right now we have some 
new music from Ryukin Versus. That is the duo with Graydon and Seagat. We're going to listen to Hopeless Center, and we're going to talk to them a little bit about that. I used to tussle on the bus when I was 10 years old A motherfucker stole my lunch and never cut got thrown But now I'm older, a little wiser, now I'm checking the news These corporate suckers knuckle up and got to sing in the blues They use the same set of principles, abusive and cruel But these are grown men, I don't believe in omens now However, I can see the future, how it's going down You need the root of all our evil just to feed us, you clown So now my fate is hanging on to what the paper displays Got people acting fake as paper mache The killing rape, the villain takes a life for the sake of doubt a scholar kills for freedom and honor the greed is nil Don't need to chill and analyze the surface of the problem Cause what's underneath is worthy of a holler A lot of very skeletons irrelevant in the present From the tenement to the president Sending a message as the president hoping they get in the to the space you inherit, so...
that's what I mean. That's just a glimmer of hope that I have. I don't. And the other thing is that people are afraid that there's going to be backlash. There's going to be riots in the street because you know we don't know how to handle ourselves. As, you know, or we're going to be able, you know, be out of all out of whack. I don't know what you guys think. Do you think there's going to be backlash if there's a, a not guilty verdict? Um, on Twitter, yeah, we're gonna burn Twitter down. Occupy your hard drives. That's real talk. Wow. So that what you guys? So you guys don't think there's gonna be like a riot in the streets? So that's the, that's what it seems like people are preparing for. I mean, CNN even did a, a little bit of an article talking about how Florida authorities are going are putting out a video, hope, hoping that you know it'll discourage any type of violent reaction because they think that. Whatever the verdict is, it's going to be some type of violent reaction. And I'm guessing you guys don't think that's going to happen at all. I don't think people have that re- rebelliousness in them anymore. The times are different. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's yeah. not like uh, during the Rodney King era or even in the Civil Rights era when people actually got off their ass and did did things to change. change right. So, yeah. Wow, I, yeah, I you kind of took the mouth on that one. <laughs> I posted the link to the article in the chat room for those of you guys who are in the chat room. Also, uh, those of you guys who are in the chat room and those of you guys who are listening, do not be afraid to call in. The guest call-in number is 310-982-4273. And we'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts. Uh, Marissa, I think we got Marissa back. You back, Marissa? Hey. I I hope I am. I feel like an 82-year-old fart that can't handle technology. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Don't feel bad. It took me about a half hour to figure it out. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's always something new. Did you have any thoughts? You know what? I, I I missed the tail end of what you guys were uh, talking about, so I'll have to hold back my opinion until I can figure it out. Well, we're just talking about the Zimmerman trial and whether or not there was going to – people are saying there's going to be backlash. At least Florida's afraid there's going to be some type of backlash and riots in the streets. <laughs> And it seems like no one else thinks that that's going to happen. I am withholding anything. I don't know. Also, if you guys are listening in the background, you might need to mute your phone or your computer. Please mute your computer or your phone or whatever because, you know, I'm very glad that you're listening. I just want you to listen on the phone if you're on the phone with me. Thank you. Um. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, Marissa, did you have thoughts? <laughs> I see you're uh, on Skype now. Yeah. Yes. Now, now I'm. I'm sorry, you guys. I literally have been in the house for like eight minutes, <laughs> and it is nuts. Let me let me sit back for a minute and gather myself. Uh, well, 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 let me take it then. Um, I I kind of feel like this. Uh, there are a lot of things to uh, to fill the streets. There are a lot of reasons to fill the streets. And while I'm not trying to minimize any family's tragedy or any person's uh, uh, life outcome based on the bearing or the decision that the jury reaches, but I will be honest, I do find a bit of uh, hypocrisy in the fact that, you know, African Americans are basically claiming, or in that region, because I don't think it's all, but. You know, black people in that region are basically saying that there's there or, or insinuating that there's going to be some type of um, backlash when there are far worse things that far more injustices and justice that take place every day in this society, and we don't do anything, even within our own race, that we seem to care so much about. 
So my thing is it would if something does happen, it would to me be the most hypocritical because it says we only care about ourselves and yet we want everybody else mm. to to to, you know, embrace equality and not uh, you know, have any type of special privileges. It just seems like a a, a lot of double speak to me. Well, I, what do you mean I, I we only Well, I just want to ask this real question, a follow up question. What do you mean when you say we oh, it, it it would appear as though we only care about ourselves? What do you mean? I didn't understand no, what no, you no. meant by that. I'm, well, what I'm saying is those people who are insinuating that they're going to do something, like because I've read those things too. I've read it on Twitter. I've read it on Facebook. And my thing is, why would you be willing to fill the streets based on the outcome of this trial when there are far more egregious things that take place on a daily in our society that you don't even care to really retweet or repost or anything? That's all I'm saying. It would show that we we have a double standard when it comes to race relations. It would seem that when it looks like it's one of our own or it, that's the way it's portrayed, then we take one stance and we react one way. But if it's not something that's been sensationalized, then everything else we kind of ignore and we either don't mention it, don't talk about it, or at least I don't see it. I don't, I don't hear about backlashes uh, because of, of, of verdict outcomes every day. This is, to me, a, a specialized incident. But does it necessarily mean that it's because we only care about ourselves or is it because this is a very uh, talked about topic? This is something that's in there, that's in your face every single day. You can't log on to Facebook or Twitter or even turn on your TV without hearing about it or even your radio without hearing about However, it. However, I would respond to that by saying there are other stories that you haven't been able to, to not hear about. Syria. How often have you heard about Syria in the last two weeks? How often have you heard about Edward Snowden in the last two weeks? If you only watch uh, a certain set of news, then, yes, you're getting nothing but Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin trial. What Yet about that protest with the 33 million people? Exactly. That was 30 in, in million Egypt. people right. in Egypt. And that was covered for maybe half a news segment in America while we switch back to the, the Trayvon Martin trial that America is gripped over. That's true. That's very true. Because I was when I was you trying to watch the trial, that's exactly what happened. They, they switched to the Egypt, uh, uh, the situation in Egypt for like maybe a few minutes, and then went right back to the trial. That's absolutely true. But because of that, that's but that's why I'm asking: um, Is it because we only care about ourselves? Is this because you were kind of already pushed to care about this issue because of how much it has been talked about? Yeah, you're right. If you only watch certain media outlets. You're only going to get that information, but guess what? Most people only watch those media outlets. So that's, that's what I'm saying. That? Well, it's, media not, it's, it's not a question of should or shouldn't. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm not, that's not even my point. Well, the point was that you're saying that it it would show that we only care about ourselves, but I'm saying it wouldn't necessarily be that if it's really just this is what they're constantly being showed and, yeah. and what you're, taught, what you're reality, kind of trained yeah. to be outraged, outraged about. Is it because you don't care about other issues or this is what you've just been uh, basically pushed to care about because it's been in your face so much? I think mm -hmm. it's, uh, I think you're exactly right on that in terms of the media making people, regardless of, of what side you fall on, the media has made the country care about this case. But I think, you know, the fact that we're in such a digital world is exactly the reason that nobody's going to riot today. If you look back at, you know, the Rodney King riots, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, you know, to post on. If you wanted to talk to other people about what was going on, you had to go outside. And, that you know, it was already a volatile environment with the police. Now 
you know, when this verdict comes down, you can get on your cell phone and literally connect to people across the country or across the world and, and get out your right. anger. I don't, I don't think people are leaving. People are not leaving the couch when this uh, verdict comes yeah. down. Yeah, it's real easy to be an armchair revolutionary these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a very valid wondering what's going on on Twitter, right? Yeah. Right. I think, Marissa, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I think what, what is an interesting parallel in within this conversation is Egypt because what we witnessed over the last couple of years was a revolutionary movement that incorporated social media like Facebook and things of that nature that helped people really kind of mobilize on a movement's notice. So I, I think it can, it can really kind of go both ways. And I actually agree with that. In fact, a lot of uh, a lot of protests now start off digital, like you just said. So it can yep. be. So technology can definitely be a tool as far as uh, social action. I can tell you right now. Like I live in South LA, and some of you guys know I work in community organizing, and I've been a community activist for a long time. And now it has gone digital. I go on Facebook, and I can get updates on what's taking what campaigns are taking place in my community that people are going to be protesting or. They're all going to show up at a, at a city council meeting. Uh, you know, they're trying to show up a thousand deep at a council meeting to protest a bill or some council uh, ordinance. So, I, I, and technology was used to make that happen, even for people who um, may not even be on Twitter or Facebook all the time, but they saw they saw a link, one link, and they're like, okay, I'm interested in this topic. So, I think I agree with you, Marissa, that it can work both ways. My, but the question is, will that can that work? in America on a large scale these days? Because, I mean, in, in some places, there's still a little bit of revolutionary fight in them. Do we have that here in this country? No. No. Um, we have We have no... Uh, I love all the faith in humanity. We have, we, we have all the tools and no no blueprint. There is no, no goal. There is no end game right now for that type of, of revolutionary spirit. Exactly. You've got a bunch mm. of angry folks, you know, banging away at the keyboard, the, you know, the smartphones. That's not going to get it done. You do, but you also have a really prime example of a movement that uh, has a force digitally, and that's the Occupy movement. Most now, that's that very word, true. Most of that word was spread via social media and inspired people to actually go out into the street and... Can I make one point, though? Mm-hmm. Can I make one point on, on, on Marissa? I have to piggyback on that, but I have to give... You have to give some of the credit, too, to the group, the hacktivist group Anonymous, because they orchestrated that. Right. So when we say Occupy movement sort of thing, that was actually like a hacker group thing that orchestrated something within society. I think that's kind of of a unique case. The thing with I would I would address as far as in Egypt is that a lot of those people were in the streets talking about we don't have running water, we don't have our trash is still out here after right. three months, like our our country is breaking down. Wait till that happens here, and we may actually see that spark you're talking about. Yeah, our backs aren't far enough up against the wall for anybody to really feel motivated to do anything like that over here. And we, and mm. we, start, we started to see that a little bit, you know, in 2008, it's a good year to to gauge by in the in the election year because we saw droves of people come out to vote because they were starting to feel a slight pinch with our unemployment and began mm-hmm. feeling the threat. Now, certainly not to any level, um, you know, of not having running water or food, but certainly 
a pinch that made them feel like it's time to take some sort of action. Well, I'm not there yet, though. I'm not in. I'm, I'm not at the streets level yet. Well, I want to make some, uh, Landon Taylor in the chat room, Tombstone, uh, he made a point in the chat room I thought was really good. Um, he said 90% of the American people wanted a universal background check, and Congress said no, and nothing happened either, even after a mass shooting at a school that killed children. That's a pretty valid point. I mean, we, there's something that all Americans, not all Americans, but a large majority of the public said that they wanted, they didn't get, and there was nothing. That's a, well, I think that's the, the a reason pretty valid point. The reason that a lot of that happens is because while people and in, in there's some studies that, that show this, while a lot of people hate Congress, they like their representatives. So you're not going to go out and you know you hate everybody else, but you like the guy or, or the girl in your backyard. But yeah. I don't think people even know who their congressperson is. How to be honest with you? I would. I was just going to challenge to say I doubt that the vast majority of people uh, even know the name of their congressperson, let alone their voting records. You know what's funny? My boss um, the other day asked me um, who my sent my senator was, and I felt kind of stupid because I didn't know. And what's sad is I should know this because of the type of work I do, and I didn't. It just never dawned on me to know that. It's because well, I had moved, and like in my old community, I knew everything. I knew who the senator was, my assembly person, state. All right, uh, let me take some of that embarrassment. Let me take some of that embarrassment off you. Can I take a guess? Is it Diane Feinstein? Is she one of them? Right. And well, no, no, I, no. My state senator was is Rod White, Rod Wright, and I did not know that. <laughs> I don't even know his politics. That's how bad. I feel really bad about that because I work in community organizing. I should know all those things. I mean, I know the mm. I know the people that are who I see on the news on my local news, but I mean, I don't right. think that's. And I'm someone who's actually involved in it. I try to stay as politically active as possible. Now, imagine someone who may not have as much of an interest. I really don't see them having. Uh, as much knowledge about who those Congress people are, who those senators are, for them to even be outraged enough to write them a letter or give them a call. And and, and that's really where it starts. I mean, you know, all the attention is on, you know, the, the, the presidential elections every four years. But the, the real change starts, like you said, with your city council and state senate and school boards and stuff like that. Well, I think what all of this, but this entire conversation, you know, really revolves around in terms of symptoms is the fact that Americans uh, as a society are incredibly distracted. So it's very mm. easy oh, for, for, the, for the media to sensationalize and manipulate us. And mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of the hype around the Zimmerman case is with, you know, riots and whatnot. I think that's really generated more so from media sensations. Uh, sensationalizing it more than it is coming from, you know, the pulse in the in the community. Not to say that there isn't outrage there, but the outrage has manifested itself in different manners other than what the media is predicting is going to happen. I agree. Uh, and can I say one thing, too? Uh, I kind of feel like we've been here before. When that kid got shot in his back in Oakland, what was his name? Oscar Grant? Oscar, Oscar Grant. Grant. Yeah. Okay, when Oscar Grant got shot in his back by a cop who was supposedly reaching for his taser and reached for his gun in a crowded subway area or whatever the case may be, people said, well, this is the breaking point. People are going to take to the streets. And to a certain extent, Oakland did kind of have their own little uprising. And you know what? It was quelled quietly by the media, and nobody talked about it, and poof, it went out of existence. Right. Mm. 
I want to just remind tape. people. Hold, give me a second, guys. I want to um, just remind people that they can call in. The number is 310-982-4273. You're welcome to join the discussion. If you call in, please press 1. If you're on the line right now and you want to speak, you have to press 1. Otherwise, I, I just assume you want to listen. So make sure that you press 1, you call in, and if you don't even want to call in, join us in the chat. The chat room is open, and you, we are welcome to all of your thoughts and opinions, even if it's opposing to any of ours. So feel free. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What you were going to say? It. <laughs> Bring it. I like that. Um, <laughs> were there any more? Oh, I mean, I think there was someone else was going to say something. I don't know who that was, though. Yeah, I was I was just going to say um, it's really interesting to see, you know, what's happening concurrently with, with Trayvon's case is we have, you know, it's, a, it's a, the right to defend clause, but you have, or the stand your ground law, but you have a woman, a Florida woman, who fired warning shots against her abusive husband, who she had a restraining order against. Her, na- her name is, um, oh, I can't name right now. I'll link to the article. And she just, she, she's threatened with 20 years in prison at the moment. Yeah, and but you know that the Trayvon, uh, with the with the Trayvon Martin situation or Zimmerman trial, they actually aren't using the stand your ground as a defense. I don't know if most people know that. Yeah, he'd have gone to jail if he tried to do that. Yeah, and they know they would have lost. So their defense is self. Their the defense is using self defense. Um, but I but I totally hear what you're saying. They didn't hesitate to arrest her. They didn't hesitate to convict her either, even though she was protecting herself. And she didn't even shoot anybody. No one was hurt. So, yeah, I totally feel you on that. Did anyone else have any other thoughts? <laughs> you guys got... You know, that, 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 that goes back to... Okay. Yeah, that that goes back to what we were talking about a couple of minutes ago as far as, you know, the importance of, of paying attention and voting in some of these local elections because, you know, a lot of people sleep on those local elections, but this is where your your, your sheriffs are elected. This is where your, mm-hmm. your DAs come from. So, you know, we have different district attorneys and sheriffs. A lot of these cases, you know, may not happen. Right. And, and I actually 100% agree with that. Um, outside of the fact that I didn't know who my senator was, <laughs> I typically try to stay as involved in my uh, local uh, politics as possible because most people don't realize this. The things that affect you directly are usually your local politics. What affects your community? You know, what's going to, for example, your city probably creates a city plan every 10 years. I know in LA, they're developing ours right now. And the city plan dictates what the zoning laws are, what's going to be placed where, what's going to be placed as priority, do we need more hospitals, what should we do about communities that, you know, are lacking grocery stores or health uh, care services. So your city plans all that stuff out, and most people don't even know that. So I agree with you. We definitely need to get involved in our local politics. We definitely need to, you know, as far as getting involved, what I mean is be aware. I'm not necessarily saying you have to be in politics. I'm saying be aware, know what's happening, so that way you can, you know, if you can fight against it. Because I'm sure there are a lot of things that take place in your local community that you don't even know about. Meanwhile, you're 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 all outraged about something that they say the federal government is doing. But there are things that are taking place right now that you could touch on right now and probably could be even more effective in if you address them on the local level. Okay. <laughs> I have no arguments for that. No, no arguments there. Uh, I want to talk about something else that I think um, 
you, everyone might have an interest in. And like I said before, we're going to get into the hip-hop discussion a little bit later. In fact, we might do it after this topic right here. So I don't know if you guys uh, listen to uh, or watch YouTube videos with uh, atheist videos. Uh, I think there's one guy right now people are talking about named Dusty. I don't know if you guys listen to him at all on YouTube. Yeah. But he made a video. He's a white atheist. And uh, he made a video that said, Black Christians equal Uncle Tom. And there were a lot of interesting uh, responses to that. I don't know if you guys got the chance to see the video. But how do for, Wait, for those guys... Wait, did you say white atheist, black atheist or black Christian? A, a white atheist. Black Christian. Called Black, oh, Black Christians, Christians Uncle, Uncle Tom. Tom. Okay, no, I just want to make sure I heard you right. I thought I heard something else. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he, so a black, a white atheist called Black Christians Uncle Tom. For the, you know, I, I, for this, I guess for the reasons that many of us have complained about, you know, the history of slavery, how we got, how many of us in America became Christian, and all of that. But uh, the fact that he he's calling black Christians Uncle Tom, which, you know, keep in mind, a large population, 80% of African Americans are definitely uh, Christian in some way or religious. How do you guys feel about a, a white atheist calling black Christians Uncle Tom? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably have a very unpopular opinion on this because it's okay me, we want the unpopular this, opinion this, this sounds a lot like a first world complaint um this this is not something that is extremely serious because i could vouch for the character of that person and and could say that i know that that person is is has never been tried has never tried to be intentionally malicious when it comes to any type of race we've had long mm-hmm. drawn out conversations about a lot of things and Dusty is we gotta remember that's the character that he plays and at the end of the day when we all stop talking about this his YouTube video uh, descriptions will have increased by like 25 to 50 percent so really he I, okay he would have said you know you know whatever the case may be I could see that uh, Uncle Tom is not something that we don't use internally and I feel like it's yeah, he's a white guy, thing instead of you know. But look, a tape came out and had you know Eminem saying disparaging things about blacks and using certain words he should use, and we were mad for 15 minutes and we forgot about it. And it seems like this is another one of those things that's a distraction from real issues that require real work to change those things. Because this is one of those well, things where. We well, could- Hold on, let me just finish my point. We we could all make a big wow about this white person saying something that is at worst sensitive to black people. I don't think it's I don't even, I wouldn't even call it offensive. I would say it's just a sensitive mm-hmm. term. But at the end of the day, this person is is effective at what he does because we're talking about it in a way that the character benefits from. And I just feel like when you get to the root of what he's saying. It's not anything other than what we've said internally about people still accepting the religion of their slave masters and still trying to kowtow to old, outdated, uh, you know, patriarchal, you know, relationships and family structures. So 
I just feel like it's one of those distraction issues that just distracts from, um, you know, other things that we could be working on as a community. There are real issues, you know, race related issues in the, the secular community that should be addressed. But I don't think it's one of them because I don't well, believe me, he was. Being- I wanted to uh, throw this out there. Let's let's take let's. I agree with you. This he's definitely one of those kind of fake shock jock kind of things going on, and I'm right. definitely sure it increased population. I agree with that. But let's take let's take let's make the conversation a little bit bigger than Dusty. Let's talk about okay. the, the. I mean, I mean, I think that what you're saying is very valid. But it's, I think it's, let's take a little bit bigger than that. You're talking okay. about a mentality more so of ignoring the fact that even white non-Christians or, you know, secularists, and, 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 and a few people made this point, I believe, Raina, made this, Raina Rose made this point, and Sakiwa Hutchins made this point, and I actually agree with them, that, you know, these secularists such as Thomas Jefferson, he owned slaves. That's, but yet right. that's not being talked about. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, there's no outrage or rant about that. Um, so, I, I, so I'm saying, let's, let's, talk, let's take it out of just Dusty. Let's talk about just the, the, the idea that, you know, black people, and that's the other thing. I don't even agree with the idea of calling uh, black people Uncle Tom because they're Christian. I don't, I don't even agree with that concept, especially if you look at the fact that um, black Christians may be just as active, if not more active, than some black atheists in their community. You see what I'm saying? As far as uplifting and trying to create actual mm-hmm. change in their community. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument so, about that. I would say that they were way more active. I agree. Right. So, so yeah. is it fair to call them a quote-unquote Uncle Tom? I mean, and there, is were, it, there could, were a couple of... Say it again? No, there were, I think there were a couple of issues with, um, you know, Dusty's video. This, in spite of the conversations that we may have uh, in the community internally, the, the, the first thing, you know, in a five-minute, six-minute video clip, you're not really going to get to the nuance of, you know, African Americans or Black Americans and, and religion and slavery. The, the second thing is, that, you know, we're all non-believers on this call, regardless of the truth claims of Christianity, you know, you can't divorce uh, our use of religion as a tool of liberation at that particular time period. Okay. Um, It looks like we have some buzz in the chat room, and I wanted to definitely um, get some of those thoughts in there. And it looks like some people are are agreeing with you as far as... um, it's not anything different than what we have said in our own community. And I always question that too. Just because we say it in our community and we may it doesn't one doesn't make it right. That's number one. Number two, even if we say it in our community, it doesn't even necessarily mean that someone outside of the community can ha- make the same point if they're not coming with the same perspective and understanding. And there's a certain only a certain level of that you're gonna get as an outsider. So I don't necessarily think that's a justification for a, a statement or, ide- or an ideology because we because we believe it or because we say it. Therefore, it must be. Uh, oh wow, the phone lines are blowing up. <laughs> you know, before, you know, wow. before, before we go to the before we go to the phone lines, let let me also point out that you know, I, I think that you know, religion as a tool of, of social justice or social movement, I think that ball has been dropped 
but at the same time, the secular community has not picked it up for African Americans at this point. So what what Good are point. the alternatives? That's a I great point. Can. That's a great point. Well, ask your question again. I'm sorry, I missed it. The secular community has not picked up that ball. That you know, religion is as social justice motivated. You know, I think that ship is sailed. But you know, the secular community has not, in mass, picked that up, and and is not a tool for you know our liberation in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I, and I agree with that. And that's part of the reason why, like, in the work that I do as, as a black skeptic or as a black atheist and free thinker, it is social justice. And I totally agree with you. And I, I would love to see that on a much larger scale. I think I do think that there's definitely some um, things to think about even in regards to that. Um, I, and I want to get into that in a second, but I want to make sure I get these callers because, yeah, you guys remember to please press 1 if you want to speak. If you don't want to speak, that's fine. But if you want to speak, you have to press 1. Otherwise, I'm just going to assume you want to listen. But I have caller 910 on the line. I believe that is Calvis. Is that you? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. How are you? I'm fine. How are you this evening? Loving the show. Loving the show. Thank you. I I think you got some thoughts and you wanted to drop it on us. Let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to comment on the white atheist and the Uncle Tom whole thing there. I think okay. that it's important that we keep our mind on, you know, the dynamic in place. Whenever we have discussions about who can say what or who can chime in on certain aspects of, of, of anything affecting a certain group or a certain community, like the very fact that he's a white atheist and he's using terms like Uncle Tom to describe black people, it's kind of a Already, it throws up red red flags. He mean well, it may have good intent, but it's kind of like you know, there's a language that people use, the language that any oppressed group use to describe certain members of the oppressed group they feel have betrayed the group or whatever. You know, that's one thing. But to you know, for you know, for him to use that language, you know, it sets a precedent that we have to have to really look at. It's no different than. You know, a man trying to police women on use on the usage of the word bitch. You know, like you can't. You know, mm. it's like check your privilege. You know, you have to check your privilege in situations like that. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with using that language. I think it does more harm than good, and it also sets precedent to say, you know, other things or go in other directions. I mean, that's the that's so the fact that so- it I'm sorry, I just want to kind of... So it sounds like what you're saying is that the the fact that he's even using that term is problematic. Yeah. He, how can someone who's yeah. not a part of that particular oppressed group use that term in that way? And I think right. that's a very right. valid point. I have I do have another caller on the line. It looks like... I, it's a, the number says 111111111. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, but your line is open. I guess that's a Skype. I don't know. Or, the yeah. NSA is listening. <laughs> NSA is always listening. The NSA is always listening. So, uh, if if you pressed one just a second ago, a few minutes ago, or a second ago, please speak because I don't know. I don't know what to call you. One one one. Caller one one one. Okay. If you don't speak, I'm gonna assume you don't want to. That's fine too. Um, <laughs> now, uh, there's another point I wanted to make about this. So, Raina Rose uh, posted Dusty Smith's response because there was apparently there was a lot of uh, outrage about his video from uh, from black atheists, and so Dusty Smith's response to that was, and I'm going quoting this. He said, 
receiving a lot of reverse racism for this video and have been told white people should not speak about black issues. Fuck that. When black Christians stop doing things that affect us all, like supporting Prop 8, I'll think about not talking about them anymore. Now, there's a few things wrong with that statement, and I am interested in finding, at least in my opinion, and I'm interested in finding out, because, you know, how you guys feel about that his response to the backlash that he got for his video. I don't know who wants to go first. <laughs> so you guys are great, and you want to go first? Oh, guys, I took your live time. It's on you, bro. Uh, putting me in the spotlight. Uh, um, I mean, I, I can say, uh, I, you know, I feel, but I, I definitely want to give you the floor first. I mean, I'll definitely give my opinion for sure. I, you're going to have to give me a second on that. Somebody else? <laughs> All right. Well, I can, yeah. my, mine is a simple, I guess, position. I'm not discounting uh, what the, the caller said. I think there's definitely merit to what he said. But let's turn it another way. We are worried about uh, ourselves when it comes to how other people speak uh, about, I guess, something that we consider sensitive, yeah? <laughs> As a community. This is where the outrage has come from, from the black community, right? Uh, I guess not necessarily. Not. Well, on my end, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, I guess, so let's let's flip it another way. Let's ask the question... There is a a, a a a serious problem with homophobia in the black community. Words like faggot and dyke are commonly used in reference to the LGBT community. Um, we have this idea that within our community we can say these things and refer to these people these ways. And no one can basically police us and tell us that we can't say that or that we shouldn't speak on those issues. And, in fact, I've, I've known some proponents from that community who said, how come there isn't more, uh, you know, the same way we want moderate Islam to stand up to extreme Islam or moderate Christianity to stand up to the super right-wing Christianity? People ask, well, how come there isn't more of uh, internal discussion about the homophobia homophobia that goes on in your community and how that relates to dusty is i just feel like i i feel like we're we're going to start to get into policing what people say Mm -hmm. and if i feel like if we do that then we're going to start getting to, to to really weird territory about what's off limits i mean honestly there are far worse videos on youtube talking about like white supremacy and killing all blacks and like there's the far crazier things that have been said. I know it's in the secular community, but to me it's just it's one of those things that we're we're focusing on it a little bit too hard instead of the over the underlying issue which is the societal issues. That's my point on it. Well does that but does responding to this particular video mean that you're not responding to other social issues. Because, I mean, if you look at somebody like uh, Sakibu Hutchinson who responded, no, no, no. she's really big. And, I, and I'm not saying you're criticizing anyone at all, but I'm saying that they're all, you know, someone who's, who responded is also a part of social justice work outside of this. So, I mean, so, just, so one doesn't necessarily cross out the other. So you can be concerned about social issues, much larger issues, as well as respond to uh uh, uh, right, but we're upset about him specifically saying Uncle Tom, right? We're specifically upset about him referring to blacks, just not black Christian, just blacks in general, in a in a in a way that we feel has a certain 
uh, indirect racism or at least superiority complex is but, what I'm hearing. But and and it's a double standard because at the same time we all laugh at Uncle Ruckus. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Can I say this? Can I? Can I? Am I still on? I don't know. Yeah, okay. you're on. Okay. I'm on. All right. It would it would be a double standard if it were not for the reality of the power structure, the power dynamic. I see too often in these conversations I had that's completely ignored. The power dynamic. When a white person says nigger, for example, when a white person says Uncle Tom, there's a legacy behind them using that word. There's a legacy being upheld by them even speaking those words. You know, it's not to be viewed in the same context as us doing it any more than if I see a group of women and they're calling each other sluts and heifers and all this other stuff, you know, and that's their dynamic. If I come walking up to them and say, hey, you got to let me call you that, if y'all going to use it, I got to be able to use it too. What kind of person would that make me? I know we're not talking about him saying anything like directly like that, but we still have to look at it from a power dynamic standpoint. You know, like, I think we also have to look at the accountability. So if we're talking about the weight of intention, we have to recognize that we use those terms just as hatefully as anybody else might. But what that doesn't make it right. But what we're judging is the intention behind it. Any, okay. Any, any I, I believe that any conversation about our usage of the term should originate with us, and it shouldn't be coerced by, okay, well, we should let them say we should. We have to be all inclusive, or we can't use this language at all. Like that's not the way to deal with it. We deal with it by tying it into where these where these terms came from, how they originated, uh-huh. and we deal with that within our own community. But we don't necessarily, you know, need them to do that. There's just something about that that narrative that bothers me. There's something white supremacist even about it. You know, like that we. You know, every time the conversation is about something that a white person said it's out of line, regardless of what their intent is, I'm not saying that every white person who uses this language or says certain things is trying to be just racist, but his response, now that's a whole different matter. Right, and I wanted to touch on that part of it, too, because, you know, you could probably give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he's just, you know, unknowing and, you know, he just, it was an accident or something, you know. We could give him the benefit of the doubt on that. His response is probably what made me give him the side eye. And this is, I mean, I'm going to read his response again. He said, receiving a lot of reverse racism for this video. Okay, let's oh. just that part alone. What? There, and, <laughs> I you mean, know I have so many was... issues with that term, reverse racism, and when white people use that term, I, I have to give them the side eye on that. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the, first yeah. of all, if you say anything like reverse racism, that means that you are already admitting that you own racism. That's number one. Right. You're, <laughs> you're pretty much saying you're taking ownership I would, of it. But I be very careful in speaking in such absolutes. That's my only caveat to that statement. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you're you're making a pretty absolute statement. I mean, that you, what? Well, your statement was that if you say anything like, well, if you use the term reverse racism, then you're basically admitting that you have some racism. I mean, you're you're going to say that a hundred percent of the time. That's the case. No, that's not my saying. The term itself. I'm not talking about it as an individual. I'm talking about the term itself. You have in order for you to say you're reversing racism, that means that racism had to already be with you in the first place. I can't reverse something that wasn't already there. 
That's what I'm saying. You're saying that what I'm giving out, I'm getting back. Whatever I'm giving out, I'm getting back. That's what I'm saying. I think the term racism really applies to the general sense of racism typically representing an oppression against a specific group of people, which most of the time means black Americans. So when the term reverse racism is applied, the intention is to say that it's not the typical oppression. I, I, I would I would say that see and, and the reason why I personally don't believe in reverse racism is because the definition of racism that I adhere to is the sociological one. You know, the power mm-hmm. you know, the, the the power plus prejudice one. And and you know, with that definition in place it's impossible for a black person to be racist against a white person and no one you know, he's not subject to income inequality because of black people. Like it's not I don't know if he can even scream racism. I don't believe in any such thing as reverse racism. And like Vita said, if we if there were a such thing as reverse racism, all it would all all it would really do is validate racism because it would imply that racism is supposed to flow one way, white right. dealing it out with blacks. Well, but, but I, I think you know, I don't think we're really understanding the definition of racism, which is the belief that one race is superior to another. What we're talking about is the oppression that is experienced by way of racism. Anybody mm. can be racist. Well, well was I, I don't that, know. That I, I think, but that though, doesn't... Like, I don't, I don't think I don't anybody wanna... was oppressing, you know, I don't, I don't think Dusty was oppressed by people saying that they didn't agree with his opinion. You know, the, the, right. the biggest thing for me, the, the problematic thing is that, you know, I would assume that, that you know, Dusty considers himself an ally to uh, atheists of color, whether they be black or Hispanic or whatever. You you don't get to be an ally on your terms, you know, when you're trying to help out another group of people. And then when somebody pulls your coattails and say, you know, uh, I'm offended by what you say, you don't get to throw out, you know, reverse racism, basically trying to shut the conversation down. Right. And then you and just using it, playing it as a as a as a card, you know, like I, I'm going to throw this out there to shut everybody up, or to just say that, hey, I have to shut this down because this is what it is, and nobody wants to address it in that way. But the other part of that, but that wasn't even the part that probably that that definitely gave me uh, made me give him a side eye. But then there was the other part where he said, when black Christians stop doing things that affect us all, like supporting Prop Eight, I I'll think about not talking about them anymore. Okay. That's not even true. The black and and and, and Raina Rose addressed this addressed this in her article, which I also posted in the chat room. Um, there was not there was no they didn't need black Christians to uh, get Prop 8 passed. That's not even true. And it's, and it's actually I'm gonna, in fact I'm going to post the actual link that even debunks that because first of all, uh, were there even enough black people who voted in California in the first place to even make that statement accurate? Where's this data coming from? I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you right now. The report is from. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The report was from thetaskforce.org. They did a study. They're from New York University. But I'm gonna go ahead and send post this in the chat room so you guys can get this. But I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Someone's gonna speak. There's a there's a history of, of of black homophobia, especially recently. Black homophobia is almost always implicated when 
Proposition Proposition 8 fails or, you know, something like that, something of that nature. But it's, it's funny because as much as we talk about black homophobia and much of the media talks about black homophobia, black homophobia hasn't crafted any laws. There's no institutional power behind black homophobia. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's kind of like it's used as a scapegoat. So we can take our eyes off of, you know, the homophobia that, you know, is actually creating the laws that have historically created the laws, the reason why gay folks even have to petition to be married and everything. Like, you know, it's, it's to me, that, that language is problematic, and especially when we're talking about any, um, any, any white person critiquing it, it has to be looked at skeptically, you know? And it sounds to me like I you want- just launched a full-on tirade on it, really. I want to, uh, it looks like I have some other people on the line back. Caller 111 with the screwy number. Uh, your line is open. I don't, who is that? Yeah, I forgot what I wanted to say. Now you said you had, you picked up my call, but it, it didn't unmute me. But, um, well, I, I, well, okay. What's your name? Well, anyway, good evening. And I don't want to disclose that. But I agree with the, um, with what the brother said. <laughs> Which brother? I'm not trying brothers. to be rude or anything. I just don't want to disclose who I am. And you know, I, mean, I you, agree you with everything that was you on that video. But I, oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? So you can give us a fake name. You don't have, I mean, Vita is not my birth name. It makes you feel better. <laughs> you don't have to say your name. Uh, well, call me Isis. Okay, Isis. There we go. Right. So, Isis, you now, know uh, what point? I was a little taken aback that it it came uh, uh, from out of a Caucasian mouth, but I had to get past that and realize the message that he was sending. I've heard worse things, like the N-word, used by all other races, and it seemed to be accepted. So my problem, uh, I didn't really have a problem with it. Okay. And then another A question I want to ask you guys is, uh, can you tell me what the meaning of atheist is? Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to, wait, wait, we're going to, we'll get back to you on that. And I have another caller that I'm sure wants to chime in on this. Uh, Kim, did you, I think you pressed one on me. Yes, I did press one. Um, The one gentleman that called in that was talking about institutionalized racism, he's definitely on point. The issue for me, and I did a whole show about this issue with Dusty here, the issue with me is he specifically pointed out black Christians and called them a pejorative, which was Uncle Tom. He may as well have called them the N-word because, you know, it's pretty much synonymous. And you have to go with the, the, the current meaning of Uncle Tom. If you go back to the original meaning of it, it meant something totally different. However, he specifically targeted black Christians. So my question is, where is his video talking about white Christians and secularists that perpetuated and continued, you know, slavery and the oppression of black people um, with public policy um, and a number of different, you know, um, different ways in which blacks were oppressed? With this gentleman here, someone stated earlier that it's a character. Okay, so you may know that person personally, and this would be a character that they're playing, but not everyone knows that. There are some people that are going to take it serious, and where does his responsibility lie? Because 
um, just because people are atheists, and an atheist is someone who does not believe in God. That's that's it. That's all that many of us have in common. However, there's racism in this community. There's sexism in this community. Um, he tried to turn around and say that it was satire after he received backlash from many of us. So at this point, you know, he's just giving us these schizoid responses. So, I mean, where does the responsibility lie? That's a very good point. And with that point, I definitely want to shift gears and get ready for our next segment. Um, where we're going to talk about hip hop and the state of hip, hip the state of hip hop, the landscape of hip hop, and what does that affect currently in, on the hip hop generation, which I believe I'm a part of. I want to also, I promised you guys we're going to play some new music from Ryu Ken, which is the duo Ryu Ken versus, which is the duo Graydon Square and Seagat. And I played for you Hopeless Center. A little bit earlier, and uh, I want to play Battle Groove, and I don't know if Gray or Seagas wants to talk to us a little bit about this song, Battle Battle Groove. Um, this is uh, I guess if I was to play it up, it's um, kind of one of those if you were having a barbecue type song, you'd want that in the background, and um, it's it's something it's that. Up. I don't do a lot of, it's like a summertime song. I don't do a lot of like playful kind of groovy songs. So when me and Gats get together, it's always fun. It's never really serious. So we got on this, this little fun groovy track and we kind of did our thing. Okay, so let me ask you this question. When you say a nice track to play at a barbecue, are you talking about my Christian family's barbecue? I can play it there? <laughs> uh, yeah, though you probably lose them after the first two bars. <laughs> okay, all right. So we're we're gonna. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, no, no. I said I, I said you'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're gonna get into Ryu Kim versus their song Battle Groove. And when we come back, we're gonna get on this hip hop discussion. And I want to thank everyone who's called in and participated so far. And I hope you stay on the line with us for the next part of the show. Always around when the trouble comes. I'm the atheist that gives a bad name to the other one. You should be gone when my brothers come. If you're here when they get back, then exit will be troublesome. You'll be torched in battle. 1,600 bars apiece and forced to travel. You're just one in the horde of cattle. And since she need a shepherd to protect you from a wolf as it feeds on the lesser, disorient your flock like M.C. Escher. No, I won't throw the board away for simply checkers. Just Chester, we used to battle to see who was fresher. Now we call each other hate over Twitter when we're under pressure. The greatest tag team to rap a stable. Grab a table, wreck it at a show, or reject the label. Check your cable if you're searching for commercial shit. Why you can burst this view with purpose on the surface? So what you hear is not a test. Yeah. Yeah. 
play. Rancy Gas bringing the impact in a major way. Barking on cats like we're major pain. Don't need a stack of bills to toss away for fame just to make it rain. Keep your chain. I'd rather create me a matrioska brain. And as an MC, bring the yoga flame. Right, you can burst if you already know the name. That's why you're afraid to show your face at the poker game. Frozen domes like when overcame. Overcame the odds like a soldier made our way through the cold and flames. Tell our tales to a old and gray. Defying age even with the walking cane. No, I'm on fame. And if it's poetry, set your ass, you'll notice me. Like we were addicts on the dopest street. Smoke, so what you hear is not a test. It's a battle of two and Can you hear me, guys? All right. Let me pull Gray back into the conversation. And there's Marissa back in the conversation. And I think there's a C-gap right here. Yeah, Vita had to step out for a minute. Let me pull Anthony back in. I'm here. All right, guys. Hear me? Mike, Mike. Yep. Yeah. Hey. I got y'all. Feds is watching. Excellent. (laughs) All right. Well, um, Vita should be back shortly. Um, She ran into a couple of technical difficulties there. Let's see here. See if I can pull it back on the line. All right. I am here. I'm sorry, everyone. I had a technical difficulty. My computer decided to completely crash. And uh, I couldn't unmute myself. <laughs> uh, do we have Graydon and Seagas on the line still? I'm here. Okay. And uh, I know that we – is everyone still on the line? Can everyone hear me still? I didn't hear you. Uh, are, I can oh, hear you. Okay, great. Great, great, great. Hey, I didn't hear I, Gats, though. I'm sorry? I didn't hear Seagas. Oh, Seagas? Okay. That's okay. Um, I, I do want to. Are we? So we're back on the air. We're live, right? Yes, ma'am. All right. Oh, sorry, everyone, but you know the devil is a lie. He's trying to shut down our show. That's the problem. The devil is trying to shut down our show. That's we go. The blood of Jesus. Plead the blood. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, I do want to uh, shift gears a little bit. Well, first of all, thank you, uh, Ryu Kim Versus, for that wonderful song, Battle Groove. I love that song. I was listening to that song earlier today. When uh, when you sent it to me, Gray, I was already like, oh, I can't wait to listen. So I've been listening to it. So appreciate you guys for that. Um, we want to talk, let's talk, before we even get into the full-on discussion, Magna Carta came out since the last show, and on the last show we talked about Jesus and Born Sinner, and we, we can still touch on that a little bit later, um, in the, in the program, but Magna Carta, 
I'm curious as to what y'all's opinions of that album is. Did has uh, Seagas and Graydon? Have you guys listened to that album yet? Um, I gave it the one pass uh, as for homework for the show. Um, let me preface this by saying that uh, I am not very popular in hip hop discussion circles. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of, I kind of don't really have high expectations for commercially released hip hop. And mm. this kind of um, reaffirmed those expectations, if you will. I, mm. I always kind of expect somebody of that caliber to really challenge my mind, really ask some real questions with, with the scope of their reach. And yet, I'm, I, me personally, this is just me. I'm broken. I'm dysfunctional. I just always expected much more. And, you know, expecting what I expected, I was just you know, a, a bit underwhelmed. So that's my opinion. Seagas, what do you think? You still I don't know. Seagas is still here. Oh, you uh, know what? Looks like he's look, look like we lost I, I him think, for a second. I can call him and call you back with him. Um, that's fine. Uh, Anthony, did you have any thoughts on Magna Carta? Um, I like the I like the business move a little bit more than I like the album. Um, I mean, you know, platinum first day due to Samsung deal was a nice little power move and rewriting the IAA, um, you know, standards for certification was pretty cool. Um, album wise, it, it was just kind of okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Marissa? You know, my thoughts are on Jay-Z pretty much almost always been that as a mogul, I respect him. That brother knows how to handle his business. As a rapper, as a producer, he's not on my list. So lyrically, it's not there. He has some catchy, you know, from time to time. But as far as overall content is concerned, I'm never impressed. Wow. You guys are harsh. You guys are a hard crowd here. (laughs) I actually thought it was was pretty good. You know what's funny? I didn't like it at first. Um, And then... I listened to it a few more times, and I actually enjoyed it. I was like, oh, Calvis, you're still on the line. Do you want to drop some thoughts about Magna Carta? Have you heard it yet? Yeah, I, I listened to it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm about like the first brother. I gave it like a, a one-time listen. I've been listening to certain tracks, you know, on and off since then. But I don't I don't know. The, the hook, the oceans, <laughs> Frank Ocean singing on oceans was like the most the thing that grabbed me the most. He's talking about mm-hmm. the water licks my blood, the water drowned my family, you know, like that hit me more than anything else. Then again, I only gave it one listen. I don't think it was as good as the Blueprint 3 from that one listen, but, you know, then again, I don't know. I actually, uh, like I said, I actually like the album for the most part. There are songs that I can't stand. Like, I'd hate the song with Beyonce. And I actually like Beyonce, but I hate that song. Um, but uh, I thought Tom Ford was a silly song. I mean, it has a nice, it's a nice beat. I just kind of felt like, first of all, I didn't know who the hell Tom Ford was. I was like, who's that? And I Google him, and it's some top designer. Which, to me, is a little, I don't know. I kind of felt like, I get Jay-Z, you're rich. I get that. I still kind of feel like it's, I don't know. I feel like he could have gone. I feel like it was very superficial. I thought it was a very superficial song, superficial yeah. title. Yeah. 
And I feel like he's, I, mean, I think he has so much more to talk about than that, as proven with the song Oceans. But go ahead. I, I mean, in fairness, how you know, how revolutionary, despite, you know, Jay-Z being, you know, at that 1% level, I mean, how, how revolutionary was the album going to be with Samsung, Samsung's backing? No, I, I get that, but I think Jay Z is creative enough to have to have circumvented that. To be honest with you, and the other thing is in the song "Nickels and Dimes," I believe it was that that was the song where he addresses Harry Belafonte and his criticism of Beyonce and Jay Z. The fact that they have this large platform—well, he used them as an example. He didn't say specifically them necessarily, but they used them as an example about black artists um, not being as uh, revolutionary and active in political and social justice for black Americans. Um, even because keep in mind, you know, during Harry Belafonte's uh, era, you know, the '60s, the '50s, '60s, and '70s, you had music artists who were heavily involved in social justice movement for African Americans, and he so he right. and so he levels a certain level of criticism about black celebrities such as Jay Z and Beyonce who have this huge platform and could actually speak out against some things, but they he feels like they don't do enough in the social justice world. And then Jay-Z responds in that, saying, well, you don't know what I do for my homies. And that's, which totally, to me, is not addressing what Harry, Bob, Bella, Barry, uh, Harry Belafonte said. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, Calvin. A lot of people don't understand that uh, Harry Belafonte's point comes from in the generation when he was releasing music and listening to the radio, a lot of those songs and DJs were actually using the music as a call to action for certain events and protests that they couldn't openly talk about without getting immediate, you know, immediate shutdown at the time. So it was a very mm-hmm. different environment for them and the way that music played into their ability to communicate and organize. Well, you know, yeah, I, I, the, I agree. Go ahead, Colin. The whole dig it has- the whole dig at Harry Belafonte, I did not like that. I didn't like that at all. And the reason why I didn't like it was because, you know, I think you should have took that as an L. You should have took that as a moment to grow. Because you can't come back to what, you know, Harry Belafonte basically said that they're, they're not responsible. They're not being responsible. He's absolutely right. When you have things going on like the, you know, the voters' rights act being, you know, revised the way it was. you got all kinds of things going on affecting black people. you got the president telling black people that discrimination doesn't matter, racism doesn't matter, climb yourself up out of it. Like, all of these things he's not addressing, but he can throw a song up there, putting on some other white designer to build up another company that he probably, that, you know, most mm-hmm. people can't even afford to purchase from. You know, like, right. it's, it's irresponsibility. And you can't come back at that with some anecdotal something about how you, Donated computers to a school. Like we're talking about large scale change. Your voice is Systems heard all change. Over yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think, you, you I think some people this. miss. I think some people miss the systems change element of of activism. I think celebrities were they're used to giving to charity because that's what they're told, and it's and it does look good in, in rich communities. You donate to charity, and it makes you look like you're some kind of saint, but. When it comes to actual systems change, there isn't much involvement. In fact, there's a very limited involvement because that's going to, have to in their mind, affect their money. You see what I'm saying? Um, I think. I wonder I'm though, question is, have, you know, in, in my knowledge of his career, has Jay Z ever really been about talking about exerting change, or has his music really reflected, you know, pop and entertainment? 
Well, but that's—I don't think that's relevant. I mean, I don't not to dismiss your point, but I feel like whether or not he's done it before in the past or not isn't really the point. I think the point is Jay Z is 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 now at a point where he's educated in the industry. He knows what his voice can do. He is well informed. He isn't somebody who's ignorant and, and oblivious to social issues. He's completely aware of them. So. Why not address it now that you do have that platform? Whether or not he's been doing it in the past, you know, isn't really to me. It's uh, yeah, he hasn't in the past, but he can do it now. And when and I agree with something Calvin said, he could have used the criticism that Hera Belafonte leveled as a way to grow. Like, oh shoot, I haven't been addressing these issues. These are and, you know, at least on a large scale or, or whatever. And I, I, I just I just had an issue with him addressing Harry Belafonte in that song and basically showing he completely missed Harry Belafonte's point. It wasn't about when I gave a charity or you help your homies or, you know what I mean? It wasn't about that. And I think that's where I had a problem. But I have Graydon and Seagas, uh, a.k.a. Ryukin versus back on. Uh, You're back with us, right, guys? No, I'm here. I, I never left. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I mean, back I, I went. Try, oh no, no! I tried to get gas, but he didn't respond. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I okay, just came. So I just walked right. right back in to sat here, so I, I wasn't sure where he was, but uh, I couldn't get a hold. Oh, of him. did you want to? Did you want to jump in on our, on any of our points? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know, I, once again, let me preface this. My expectations tend to be unrealistic when it comes to MCs because I expect everyone to take the Faye Lacuti approach where it's like mm. I'm basically challenge everything, my government, the political structure, everything. Nothing is out of bounds. Religion, everything. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, uh, Jay-Z kind of likes what Americans do for him and give him with when he releases his records. I mean, he has an international uh, appeal as well, but what we give him is something Whoa. a little bit more. Like, it feels like he wins championships when he releases records, and I think he likes to win championships. I don't think it's about how he wins as long as he wins champions. And he likes to relate himself to the sports world. He has a sports agency. He likes to play himself in a light where he's the hip-hop Michael Jordan. Well, to me, it sounds like he's just chasing championships right now. He's just chasing rings. And it doesn't matter how you put it together. Justin Timberlake, yeah. Frank Ocean, yeah. Beyonce, come on. Everybody, I don't care. Let's just chase the rings. And it feels like the old Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Shaq, Kobe, you know, Laker team, where it's just, it, it, you, know, you were so underwhelmed by the result. This this team was supposed to run away with it. This team was supposed to, but once again, I'm underwhelmed. And that's not because I don't, I don't have any type of, I don't have a horse in the race. Like, I'm not a Jay-Z fan. I'm not a Jay-Z hater. But when people uh-huh. ask me to listen to something just for the, the research value and I go in expecting, hey, this is the voice of hip-hop right now. This guy and maybe two other people can, can call that title out. And, and I, I, I was left on the wall. Um, I think that's a really good point. And there was something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I want to make sure I get everyone's yeah, voices I, in here. I just wanted to say one more thing about the whole Jay Z, you know, social justice thing. Like, really, anyone? Like, if you think about the last verse of Dope Man from the Volume Three album or the Reasonable Doubt album, like to support what you said, Peter, like he, he, no doubt. Has a, he's very you know acute in his awareness of social of social justice issues and things that you know matter to the community. He's coming directly from that, and that's why I think he's so popular because he's reporting that in a way that no one else has, is doing it. Like yeah, he has the commercial songs, he does what every other rapper does, you know, try to make a little money 
try to get some songs played at the club, but anyone who listens to his albums knows that this guy has knowledge of those things. You know, mm-hmm. that's what makes it further, further. That's what makes it even more disappointing is that you know, as soon as Harry Belafonte made those remarks, Beyonce's camp comes out and starts talking about her charitable donation set up and everything like that. Right. Not only did they, they not only did they do that, they said it in the Wall Street Journal, which I also found yeah. pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like and, of all the of all the magazines and outlets, why Wall Street Journal? Right, and Jay Z, you know, he had time to really stew over this thing, really had time to really mm-hmm. prepare some sort of something, and he came out just attacking him, even throwing it back to one of Harry's old songs that made him popular. He mentioned that in the mm-hmm. verse. And I'm like, come on, man, you know, you can grow from this thing. Like this guy, you know, he's, this right. is something you should be talking about. You know, this is the same guy who said on um on um what, what, what was the song? Well, he says, where I'm from. He says, one day I pray to, pray to you and said, if I ever blow, I'd let them know the stakes and exactly what takes place in the ghetto. This is the same guy that said that, and now he's doing the opposite of that. He's just trying mm-hmm. to hustle with people like everybody else, you know? Wow. So, That's you know? a strong statement. He's trying to hustle with that people. That's a very strong statement. Um, I, There's some statements in the chat room, too, that I think are pretty good, and I actually agree with. MC Brooks pointed it out that if he made an album of social justice content, it would still be a pop record just because of who he is. Do you guys agree with that? I do. Um, I, and and I, but, just, I guess I agree a little bit, and I agree. Uh, I, I'm 50-50 on that. Cause you could yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Because, well, let me, uh, let me put it like this. He did not release a single for this album, and it still sold. I mean, I'm sure it's selling really well. well I mean, well, it's, off it's the pop, chain, it, Samsung bought it, you know? It's pop in the sense that it's popular, but when you say the word pop in music, it's associated with a certain sound, sonically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, he, could, he if he if he made a socially conscious album, it would be popular because it's Jay-Z, but it wouldn't have a pop sound per se. It wouldn't be like a Justin Bieber record or something like that. <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't. But I want to take this discussion just a little bit broader, you know, and I appreciate everyone who ch- chimed in about the album itself. But I do want to talk about um, what this could mean. Because Born Center came out, and a lot of people liked that album uh, two weeks ago when we talked about that. Jesus, people didn't like it so much. Magna uh, Carta, it sounds like nobody's as, Nobody likes it nearly as much as I do, and I only like. I would say I would give it a three point five, and I don't even think y'all give it a three point five. I agree with that. No, see, I wasn't around to okay. agree with you on that. <laughs> I yeah, think it's at okay. first it was at a two for me, and then I bumped it up to three point five, and I listened to it a few more times, and I started catching some. Like oceans is the one I think that really kind of made me not hate it as much. But now, I, but now <clears> I'm on three point five. So, um, but but again, with these albums, Born Center that came out, Magna Carta, Jesus. Um, do you guys have hope for mainstream hip hop, or would you say this has made you like, oh, uh, this is still a rap? You know, it's, it's over for mainstream. What do you guys think? It sounds uh, great, actually. You said this earlier. You said not that you don't have a lot of faith in commercial hip hop releases anymore. Well, to be fair, I, I I haven't had very much faith in commercial hip hop for most of my adult life, and I think even the I. Because, see, you're from L.A., you understand. Commercial didn't mean what it meant, like, in the, the mid to late 90s because people like DJ Quick and, and you know, Crub had singles out here, J.O. Felony and the Dog Pound and 
uh, King T and, and Rage still had stuff out. And so it was like the, what was considered commercial wasn't – I don't associate that with the sound I think Gats is talking about. So when I, I hear mm-hmm. commercial or do I have, um, you know, faith or confidence in, in commercial hip-hop, I, I think what I'm looking at is something like um, uh, do I have faith that the legacy of hip-hop will not be more, I think, altered than it already has been. Right now, hip-hop and pop are kind of merging, if that makes any sense. Like, it's a weird place that hip-hop is in right now. If it doesn't sound like pop, it doesn't really get recognized. But hip-hop players are still influential. So, for me, do I have confidence or or faith in in, in commercial hip-hop right now? Uh, I mean, honestly, when you went through the age that we went through with hip-hop, when it comes to, like, 2002-ish, to like 2010ish that was a i mean with the exception of a, a few very few exceptions there was that was a drought in hip hop and we had you know to basically that... oh. I'm sorry I'm go ahead. sorry go ahead I thought you were oh, no, I sorry basically said that we had we had to we had to settle and now that we're coming out of that phase that that place where we were settling anything looks good right now people are just like yeah I that's think... great man it's not like the stuff we had 5 years ago <laughs> It's like that's a good point. I, I didn't think about it in that way, and um, I noticed. But you did make a point that someone else did make. Um, when I, we were t- uh, Tamara McDaniel, who called in uh at the during the last show, that was the one who called in and said how much she loves weed. Well, I was talking to her about the show earlier, and she wanted to call in, but unfortunately she she's not able to. Um, but she made that point. She said she stopped listening to hip hop mm-hmm. two thousand three. That was the time, and I, I remember if you guys remember that time period. That's also around the time when we, that huge uh, was that Swisher House and Mike Jones and all that mm-hmm. stuff was getting really big. And I think, and mm-hmm. I agree with you, Greg, that there was a drought. And so now, and I think you're making another good point, which is I think people are just happy to not have to hear the same BS they had to hear before. There's a little bit, there, we have a little bit more options than we had a few years ago. Um, they are what about? Well, we're still hearing the same, you know, stuff that we heard before. It's just coming from, I mean, it's still the South. It's coming from a different part of the South. I think, you know, one of the things that was great about hip-hop in the 90s and to a lesser extent the early 2000s is that there was room for everybody. You could hear Biggie and then you could hear the Ghetto Boys and then you could hear, you know, Dre and Snoop. And it was all in the same space. Now it's like Drake and Rick Ross and Lil Wayne and and all of that without any sort of balance of music is absolutely going to sound horrible after a while. Right. And also keep in mind also those artists that you mentioned were able to be versatile even in their concepts. They had songs that addressed the streets and social issues. Um, They had songs that were party songs. They had songs that were like the laid back vibe songs. Like they all had these various, styles, even with, not styles, but, you know, they various ways that they did well, their music. It wasn't just all party music. It wasn't all just D-boy music. It was, you know, there was more diversity even for that artist. Well, we're talking, right. we're talking like, we're talking like mainstream hip-hop is the only hip-hop, though. Like, all this time, no. we've had underground, we've had underground hip-hop acts who have been going strong Absolutely. for years. It's just, that, it's just that people are too lazy to dig and look for good music. They take whatever's well, fed to them on TV and on the radio. 
I completely disagree. Absolutely. And I disagree. I'm going to tell you why I disagree. The okay. point that I disagreed with is that yeah. I don't think people are lazy and not digging. I completely disagree with that. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think people were driven to dig more. Because look at it like this. Artists are able to, especially with the Internet, artists are able, their independent artists were able to make a living off of it. You see what I'm saying? Where that wasn't always possible in the same way that now i can hear artists but that's from technology a, a totally spreading. different that's, part of yeah no exactly I, oh, no no but you said people were lazy i'm saying people are utilizing the internet and utilizing the resources i, I when i go when i work uh i was people love music, I this point. Right. I, when i worked Not everybody I, when loves I worked music a lot of people students, like me but listen when i was working with high school students there were high school students who knew underground artists like Immortal Technique or Atmosphere or, you know, they know those artists because they go online and they listen to them and they read their uh, articles, they read their interviews. That's why those, so I don't think people are necessarily lazy. I think I think the mainstream industry doesn't give consumers enough credit, to be honest with you. I mean, I think there was always a segment of the population that, that was really into groups like Atmosphere and, and Immortal Technique and Brother Ali and guys like that. You know, the because internet of the makes internet, it easy. Though. They were, I mean, they were popping before. I mean, at least you know, if you want to take it back when you know when, when dial-up was cool. But I mean, there was always underground. It was confined. You know, artists but, could go but, national. But, but when dial-up was cool, everybody didn't have the internet. You know what I mean? What I'm saying is, people are digging now because of the internet. They have that access. With dial-up, they. I mean, not, when, I'm, when dial-up was big, not everybody had a computer in their house. Now you have a computer on your phone. Right, but I mean, there were, I mean, th- people were still popping. They were limited to to regional, you know. Well, I mean, let's also take this into consideration. There was a point where what we consider underground and lyric, lyrical lyricism right now was mainstream when hip hop yeah. first started go- going through its golden age. So I mean, it's really hard to gauge that because at that time it was kind of the the, the two the two sides were intermingling um, in regards to that. But then as it started getting into the jiggy jiggy era. That's when things started, you know, going left and right. Hey, don't blame Will Smith for that. <laughs> I, I, I blame Puffy. I'm sorry. I got to go on a little Will Smith defense rant real quick. Give me 30 seconds. I saw GQ's top 25 worst rappers of all time. Y'all should be ashamed of yourself. That's the first rap Grammy. Come on, man. That dude. I, I don't even want to. Just go ahead. Just take it from me. I'm going to say something stupid. Yo, Will Smith no, say is it. Freestyle. Say Yo, he's nice. Say what you got to say. I just feel like the people who do that do that because they know Will it won't respond. He 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 won't put you in your place because he's making twenty five million for that next flick with him and his son. Like if that was somebody really in hip hop, that dude would meet somebody in front of his office one morning. He was coming into work. I'm like, wait a minute, did you actually call such and such the worst one of the worst rappers of all time? With they called like too short. They put too short on the list. I now well, I agree. I would too agree. short maybe. You say you agree? I mean, in terms of <laughs> I would agree. In terms of lyrical skill, I mean, you know. Well, but I don't think they're using lyrical skill. There's the only people you can put on here that don't have lyrical skill. I mean, it's I, not I feel like this. Yeah, this this isn't a consistent list. If this was just, they have MC Scat Cat. I mean, from the Paul Abdul video. <laughs> Give me a break. Don't get uh, dicks on there. Let me, let me post on there. the link in the chat. I'm gonna post a link in the chat for people who don't know what I'm talking, what uh, Gray brought up, because I I did have that. I, I got it. Hold on. Make sure we brought up. Yeah, I posted it in the chat. Um, he so I I I agree that even if you too short is not the worst uh, rappers of all one of the worst rappers of all time. That's I okay. think that's a stretch to say he's not the most lyrical. I agree with to say he's the worst rapper of all time. I'm sorry, but getting it is still one of my favorite songs. 
in hip hop. I love that song. And you will not get and me to ever rhyme say for rhyme with forty. What'd you say? He's going rhyme for rhyme with E forty, one of the more skilled MCs on the West Coast. He can hang. He may not be in the weight class of some of the big boys, but he can absolutely hang with the cats. Right. Right. And I'll and you got to remember, he, when he came, I mean, he came out, what, early, mid-early 80s, mid-80s, and mid to late 80s, really and nice. yeah, and, and let's be honest, there were a lot of rappers that we loved then that were not the most lyrical. It was very, mm-hmm. some, some of them were pretty straightforward, to put, I mean, so they were, it was very straightforward, and very, it wasn't a bunch of metaphor, and I mean, so, if we're going to be honest about it, and I think he maintained his style, the only thing about Too Short, I would say, he still sounds like it's 1988 sometimes. That's pretty much his flow has not changed. That's, but I wouldn't say he's one of the worst rappers. I mean, Prince is on this list, so I mean, I don't know how much stock you can put into. You say Prince? Yeah, <laughs> Prince yep. is on the list. <laughs> what? Yeah, yep. like I said. I'm telling you, man, it was a stupid list, and they had no business throwing Will Smith under the bus like that. Bad form, GQ. I, 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 why are they putting? I mean, they. Wait, I'm sorry. Did I just see? I think I just saw. Easy E is on the list. Easy E is on the list. <laughs> I do agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I can't even count him. He didn't write his own stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Who 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 is who is that saying that Easy E is uh you that you agree with that? Who said that? No, oh, I'm geez, looking no. through. I say you know, insane clown posse is number one. I can't really. I, I would say yeah. as far as actual skilled rapper, Easy E was one of the worst that ever lived. Yeah. He never, he didn't want to I don't know be, about that. No, let's look at the evidence. He didn't I mean, he want didn't write to, anything. <laughs> yes or no? Did he want to be a rapper? Oh, no, he was a drug he dealer. Who no. Get some lyrics from he absolutely did not. And then every time Cube would write something for him and put him in the booth, he would complain about the the, the stuff he was given. He didn't like it. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I what, didn't what, even know that. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna talk about worst rappers though, like every rapper that's on the list of great rappers isn't necessarily super lyrical. Like you know, Easy E, that that Easy Tuzzard album was a classic. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't something that, that I agree. You know, a gar- a garbage rapper doesn't make that type of album. Even though he wasn't super lyrical, no, he never was that. But since when did hip hop become all about? Like you can be not non-lyrical and drop a classic album. It's all about your charisma. Yeah, that's the days. Right. You know. I actually just got a you tweet. Know? Someone saying uh, it's not all about lyrics, and I agree with that. But I also, I, but um, I do think it is about discipline and timing and structure. And he was, to me, in my opinion, very undisciplined. He wasn't the person who wrote his lyrics was far more disciplined than the person than him actually performing it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's why I wouldn't even include him on that list because he doesn't even count. He's not a rapper. He's just, I don't, he's you know, there's nothing on the list I actually disagree with, and you guys might all disagree with me. I don't think Pitbull should be on the list. I don't either. I'm, he's not bad. I don't think. I hate his songs, but I don't think he's a bad rapper. Because mm-hmm. I've also heard, I remember before he, this, honestly, the whole, whatever, what do you call this style of music that he started doing? Uh, reggae reggaeton? tone, that whatever, I which I absolutely dance. hate. Uh-huh. Well, he no, started off reggaeton, with reggae. Bro. Well, yeah, oh, it was okay. reggaeton, but I hate, which I absolutely hate. But um, <laughs> and I I don't like any of his songs since he's done it. But I have also heard music mixtapes from before he started doing that. He's actually a pretty skilled rapper and a good lyricist. I'm very disappointed oh, yeah. 
that and he's also extremely political. Most people don't know that about him. I mean, he studied mm-hmm. a lot about the Cuban Revolution. He talks. He can talk about all this stuff. I've heard him in interviews talk about it before. I've read interviews of him talking about politics in Cuba and how it relates to America and all that stuff. But it doesn't come out in his music. So I'm disappointed that he doesn't right. talk about all those things that he's totally capable of. And I also know that he's totally lyrically capable of making some good music. But he, but I also know he's in it for the money. He's making more money selling them club songs and reggaeton right. songs because that's what they play at all the parties and all the you know the clubs out here in L.A. So I know that's what he wants to do, but I don't think he should be on the list. Yeah, I don't think so either. I agree. MC yeah, Hammer's on the I list. Don't... I wouldn't even put him on the worst I think there are people far worse than MC Hammer. So, yeah. I don't I don't right back in the day. <laughs> MC Hammer is just an easy target. That's all it is. I know. You know exactly. Yeah. MC Hammer was, was, was just an easy target. Like, yeah. Vanilla Ice wasn't bad either. It's too, and he's an easy target, too. That makes no sense. Who? Like, Russ, I don't care what anybody says. Russ is oh, a legend. He's Absolutely. He's a trailblazer. You know, like, there's no way you can take what he's done. Let me ask this question. I want to kind of go back a little bit. Do you think that a lot of the good artists have gone indie or underground or or are only in the independent and underground sector? A lot of the really good, the artists that we want to hear today. Well, can I jump in? Yes. I think that, I think that part of the problem with, you know, those air quoted good artists, being underground is that it's hard to rise above the stifling commercialism that's taking place. So it's mm. hard it's hard to get your music heard when you're inundated with all the commercial stuff that's that's happening and when you consider also how the radio industry has changed. You know, I mean playlists have always been exist have always been in existence, but it has never mm. been so bought and sold as it is Today, so if you mm-hmm. don't have a label behind you that will that will pay to put your song on the air, and a radio station that will pay to play your song, you're not going to get any airplay on that radio station, especially when we don't have live DJs anymore cutting it up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I actually agree with that. And, I mean, and keep in mind that, you know, I think majority of the radio stations in this country are owned by Clear Channel and what, CBS? Viacom, uh, I think, or, or Radio One. It's all like three or four companies. Radio One and Clear Channel, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, but, the, but a good majority of the ones that play like the top 40, even for the quote unquote hip hop and R&B <clears throat> station, which I've noticed even in LA, the hip hop and R&B station plays stuff that's not even remotely hip hop or R&B. <laughs> but, you uh-huh. know, a lot of those stations are pumping the same songs over and over again. If I if I'm at, I remember there was a time when I was if you were in LA, you heard a lot of artists from LA and if I went to when I I would fly out to St. Louis sometimes and I was St. Louis I heard artists from St. Louis or the South mostly. But now I can hear the exact same songs no matter what city I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. The exact same I go back to New York, the radio station up there is the same as the one down here in Virginia. There's <laughs> no difference. <laughs> right. And and that's and that's to me that's and also I think it does a disservice to the local artists, which I'm a big proponent of supporting local artists because of that because they're at a disadvantage in that regard. They're not their songs aren't like back in the day you you could at least get. Uh, I remember that actually in LA there was a show they would actually only play the local artists, not only yeah yeah it's actually was, was it not street science um 
what was Dominique had a show after that? I can't remember the name of the show. But uh, there was a show. They played local artists. That's what they played. And then in the Bay Area, from what I and this is what someone else told me that there was a time you could really there was a station you could listen to majority Bay Area artists. That's not necessarily the case mm-hmm. now. You know, everybody wants to make money. I would love to see a movement where we were uh, a while back a little bit with the Baker Boys, but I'd love to see that sort of play out on the internet because we do have the technology for a mm-hmm. you know legitimate pirate radio station where you can go into that stuff. I think the situation, though, is most people listen to the radio in their cars or when they're out somewhere. And so it, most people aren't, aren't, like, this is a talk radio show, so it's a little bit easier for us to have a show. Whereas, But if you are just doing a music show, I don't think people are going to be as tuned into my show for just playing music the entire time. I think, because I can do that on my computer and play my own damn playlist, if that's the case. Well, how do we get that to, in a space where people can listen to it in their cars and listen to it at work, you know? Because just having a, a necessarily an online show that just plays music may not always be as uh, I guess fruitful in what in, in what the goal is. You know, I you know I, I think all of that really ties into the original question you asked. Like, you know, is there any faith? I don't I, I don't remember exactly what you said that but you asked, do we have any hope for mainstream hip hop yeah. music? Like. I don't, and I and the reason mm. I don't is because I know now who owns it. You know who's you know this whole thing is a big raffle now. That's all it is. The the, the label mm. owners they they pick the most ignorant. You know they they want a certain type of music projected to the masses, and they want to they want to be able to step back and say look at what those people are doing to themselves. And they find they know that there's never going to be a shortage of people who are in poverty trying to escape poverty and are looking for a gimmick to do so. And that so is what, you know, that, mm. that is what hip-hop is now. Them selecting people, you know, who they know need the money, telling them to put the most poisonous, vitriolic thing out there, and we're going to make you a millionaire for doing it. So the only thing left is the underground. Just like, I think it was great who said it, like, they're assimilating hip-hop into pop now. Because mm-hmm. that's what's that's what's comfortable for white consumption. You know, you know, I don't want to make it all assimilation. That's what it's about. They're assimilating hip hop into that. When you look at Black Eyed I think that's the perfect mm-hmm. example. Remember, I remember. We, y'all, I'm sure y'all remember when Black Eyed Peas actually did hip hop. Oh yeah, that's you know the joint. That's the jam. Yeah, that's the jam. Turn it up and play it again. Justin Bieber. Did you see the Will I Am and Justin Bieber joint for those NBA playoffs? No, I, I didn't. That hurt. That hurt my heart, man. <laughs> no, I, that, I mean, that, he has that, a song with Britney what, Spears. But, but, but on the other thing is, is on, on the other end of it though, yeah, on the other end of it though, um, you you are kind of seeing a, uh more people going the indie route now too, though. Absolutely right. You well, another thing I was going to say. I think 10, 15 years ago, this would have definitely signaled uh, revival. I mean, I think, you know, I, I agree um, with the brother that said that, you know, right now people are looking, record labels are looking for folks with gimmicks because, you know, in a different time period, you have, you know, Kendrick Lamar going platinum. Folks would have signed everybody that sounded like Kendrick. J. Cole, number one on the charts now. It would, it would have been a bunch of artists like that coming up after that, but they're like the anomalies 
Yeah. 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 And I also also I also want to point out also we're seeing a lot of hip hop, you know, uh, merging with pop in a way where you know you have artists like Will I Am or you know making these uh, songs with pop artists, you know. But also we're hearing a lot of pop artists who are using hip hop beats to sing over. In fact, Justin Bieber right. had a song and it made me so upset I can't even speak on it. So the song <laughs> it made me so mad. And Kanye helped. Kanye helped. He I think he produced the song. I believe uh, was it RZA that was on the track as well. I think it was RZA. What? Uh, they yes, and it was they used the <laughs> beat for Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with to sing a song called Runaway Love. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> Google it if you don't believe me. Oh, no. It's called Runaway Love by Justin Bieber, and he's singing over Wu Tang Clan ain't got nothing to um, Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. And, uh, yeah, exactly. You're going to make me cry, Vita. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> That's what I try to do. I'm trying to be the Oprah of the radio. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, but think about that for a second. I mean, that, but first of all, that shows you two things. It shows you the power that hip-hop has and our music has had. Mm-hmm. As, you know, as, as, as our, as, so, which I'm speaking on culturally. We have definitely, and musically, we typically have a huge impact on mainstream music anyway. But that definitely shows you that's how much power we have when you have pop artists who, at one point, pop. if you were a white pop artist, you wouldn't touch hip-hop with a 10-foot pole, whereas now you do. Right. In fact, in fact, if you don't have Timbaland producing your album, if you don't have Pharrell producing your album as a pop artist, you ain't shit. DJ Premier, he did it. Wait, DJ Premier did a, a Christina Aguilera's album. Uh, I know Pharrell did work with Britney Spears, Timbaland, Justin Timberlake, and a few other people. I mean, what does that say? What it pretty much says is they're more comfortable with black music coming from the white artists. <laughs> they don't. They they, they mm. love the music. They don't want to. They don't want black person. So they don't want. That's interesting. They love everything about it—the style of dress, everything. They love that. But they, as long as a white person would get a lot more. We'll make a lucrative career out of doing any of that more than a black person would. They love the music, mm. long and like, you know. That's that's really what it is. That's really what it boils down to. But you know, like that's really all we have to look for as far as mainstream hip hop goes: more assimilation, more gimmicks, more of anything. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they're laughing when they put artists like Trinidad James out. They know the Trinidad James. They knows they know the message that he's gonna promote. That he's gladly gonna do it. They know that they're gonna, you know, he's not gonna turn down the money to do it. But a lot of people living in poverty who will do a lot more than make a whack song for some money, for some paper. So they know there's never gonna be a shortage of that. So that's pretty much where it is. And there is no coming back from that. Let's of we undo the whole thing from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I, so I, I feel you on that, actually. I really do. Uh, another thing I wanted to, and you, uh, someone else brought this up a little bit earlier. Um, about artists going underground, taking the indie route. And I think, do you guys think that's actually a more viable route for artists right now? Is that the better route? I mean, yes. if you want to look at how the industry is set up. Absolutely. And if you, if, yeah. and it's not definitely not in favor of the artist. I mean, there's, like you said, there are, a few, there are a few anomalies out there. For the most part, it's not in the favor of the artist. And if you're grabbing artists like Trinidad James or Waka Flocka, who are blatantly just a hot mess, you know, yeah. if that's what they're trying to push, do you want? I mean, that's the kind of industry you want to be a part of. And I know, I know, I kind of feel like I know what Gray would say. <laughs> but, uh, but those guys are independent, well, though, too, aren't they? 
But he just, oh, but he said he just okay. signed, though, right? I think with uh, the Def Jam now. Yeah, they, they I mean, the plans. I, I thought he was still with with Brick Squad. I think they did do their distribution through Warner Brothers, but I think Brick Squad is still like a self-contained label. I don't know though. I don't know. I don't follow. But I mean, Walker but Club. even if you're, but this is my this is my point though. If we're talking about an industry that's pushing that type of music. Is that the kind of industry in that in the commercial industry? Is that what you got is that do you feel like that's still something that an artist would typically be indie? Should they still be trying to go that route? You know what, I don't I don't know if the industry is necessarily pushing stuff, you know, because if you listen to you know, there's a huge segment of independent music that sounds just like the stuff on the mainstream. That's a good point too. That's very that's a very valid point. Right, but at least it's because that's what they want to sound like, not because a label's telling them you gotta be this cookie cutter right. dude. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I, can, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with that music existing. It's just the, the institution that the industry is right now. I don't agree with. Yeah, I think I think the independent route allows an artist to retain a little more creative control over what they want to put out. When you sign with the label, you're on their dollar, and they're all about making that dollar, so they're going to sell whatever they think people will buy. Exactly. Yeah. Let me I ask. Think, I, think, I, I think the independent route is the only way an artist can still be an artist, because if you're commercial, you can, like, like Marissa just said, you got to pretty much, they name the tune, you dance to it. You know you do what they say. <laughs> That's it. Right, you're indie. Yeah. You live and die by your own actions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's hard for me really to answer any. Well, you know, I take that back because as a person who's always like ended every interview with saying never sign a record contract, I'm actually going to say something (laughs) different because I know I never. Yeah, I'm I'm (laughs) surprising, right? What? Um, I thought. Whoa, wait, wait, wait! Before you say it, hold, hold it, hold it! Before you say it. First time ever heard live on the air, only on On Blast with Vita Star. Go ahead. She ain't lying. Well, what I was going to say was, if you are going to sign a contract, make sure that it's in your favor. Try to get as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Make sure that, you know, y- your best interests are being looked at, even though in most record contracts they won't be. But, you know, look, I won't sign a record contract, but that doesn't mean that you should take the same path that I did. You know, it just means that my I have the whole D Wade opinion about record labels. It's like you screwed my guy when I was a little kid, so I'm gonna make you pay with my talent and my success when I'm older, sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of felt as an independent it's my way of giving the finger to the the mainstream and to the labels. Like you will never get this. You can never sign me. I'll always be a free agent. Mhm. Well and then so much but much more difficult path to remain in You're kind of breaking up, Marissa. I'm sorry. Can you start that over? Yeah, I was going to say there's a much, much more difficult path to take, which is to remain an independent artist and build your persona up to popularity so that when you do go to sign for that label, your weight has more clout to be able to control that contract. I think, I think, it, I think as far as mainstream rap goes, I think we saw something in the last year that we've never seen before. 
this, this, this whole, you know, two chains black maybe. I don't listen to that. But what two chains did was genius. Two chains labored in the industry for over ten years as city boys. Signed the Ludacris' label, didn't get any shine, didn't get anything. Comes out and totally reinvents himself, dumbs down his lyrics, and all of a sudden he's the hottest thing out to everybody, you know? Mm. So it's like there are ways to make it in the mainstream just to pay attention to what exactly is going on. But see, that's only if you think on being successful. If you don't care about your creative license being pretty much appropriated by a label, then, you know, that's fine. But as far as being an artist, I don't think you can do that on the mainstream. At some point, you're going to have to perform. Like, even with Jay Electronica, which is one of the hardest artists that I was really checking hard for, Jay Electronica never put his album out. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people are saying he's lazy, he's not doing it for whatever reason. I think he just doesn't want to let go of his creative license. He has things to say, you know? And it doesn't help that he's married to the rock child lady now, so I don't think he's, actually, he's really hurt for like it's a drop or anything. So he wait, he's married to who? Erica Badu. He broke he broke up he broke up the marriage between the Rockdale uh, what's the money lender guy? And uh she's talking about how he saved her life and everything. You haven't seen that in the news? Like, no. So like, he's married he to one of the Rothschilds? Oh yeah. He's talking about that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have to. Well, yeah. Oh, there was something else I wanted to talk about. We don't have any time. I wanted to talk about Fifty Cent and his rant <sighs> to his son, calling his son a fucking crazy, stupid little ass. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, but unfortunately, okay, guys. Yeah. yeah, my whole argument can be summed up to this. That's just projectionism. Fifty Cent projecting. <laughs> yeah, I have a whole, oh my, I have a lot I wanted to say about that, especially in our treatment of children. In fact, what I'll do is I'll just say that for the next show, we'll talk about children and how we treat them. So, since we are out of time, and uh, I do want to make sure that I have time to thank everyone who calls in, and I want to definitely thank our guests, our special panelist guests, Marissa Holiday and Anthony Springer Jr. Special thanks to Kim for creating this station and for this opportunity. And, of course, special thanks to my guest co-hosts, Graydon Square and Seagat. And I want you guys to remind people where they can connect with you guys and get your info for your projects and all of that. Oh, all right. Um, well, you can find us on well, all the major uh, social social networking sites. Facebook should be facebook.com slash uh, Ryukinverses on Twitter, uh, at Ryukinverses. Um, basically, you could always just hit me up, and I'll point you in the right direction. All right, sounds good. Also, let me give a special shout out to Black Skeptics LA because I'm a member of that. If you guys want more information, you have to like us on our Facebook page, Black Skeptics LA. Also, I want to, of course, give a shout out to my Grand Unified family. Thank you oh, so yeah. much for listening and participating and calling in. Thank you to our call in guest today, Isis Calvis. Uh, who else spoke today? Kim already said thank you to Kim. I think that was it. Um, I appreciate all of you. I really do. Because without you guys, this wouldn't even be a show. It wouldn't be a show. Just me talking to myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could do that, yeah, but well. it wouldn't be that much fun. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Well, hey, I'm going to oh, be no live problem. on my YouTube uh, channel as well. So if anybody wants to hang out over there and continue some more of the conversation, I'm going to be live on uh, YouTube.com. Square. 
the show. Post that in the chat room so we can all get that link. Um, uh, absolutely. Cool. All right, you guys. Uh, tomorrow we have Alfred and Carl, where they will discuss common theist arguments and logical fallacies. I really recommend that you guys check out their show um, because they're they're very very uh, wise, intellectual, and they make some really strong points. So make sure you tune into that. Uh, thank you, everyone, again. And you know what I'm going to close out with? Let's close out with. Some more of that, right? You can. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and play "Hopeless Sinner" again because everybody oh. loved that song, you guys. I got so many people hit me up about that song. I told them to like your page, so let's see if they actually oh, do okay. it. But, oh, okay. Yeah, people like your "Hopeless Sinner." All right. Oh, so we're gonna close out Seattle, with that. August 24th. Sorry, I had to just throw that in there. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. August 24th, Seattle. Yeah, August 24th. Uh, yeah, Seattle, Redmond, Washington. It's a little suburb right outside of Seattle. Can they get that information on your fan page? Oh, yeah, yeah. Can I get that information on your fan page? Yes, I can. Okay, great. All right, so let's close out with some Hopeless Center, and thank you, everyone, for calling in. Thank you for everyone in the chat. I appreciate you. Uh, Special shout-out to James Dorn. We heard some of his music today, Urban Miracle, and Elusive the Exclusive. We heard some music in the background. Those are the instrumentals that you heard, and I promise them I would shout them out. They're great producers. Um, uh, Elusive the Exclusive and James Dorn, also part of the Grand Unified family. So thank you to them. All right, everybody, good night, and thank you for listening to me, Vita Star from On Blast with Vita Star, Black Freethinkers Radio. Good night. I used to tussle on the bus when I was 10 years old A motherfucker stole my lunch and up a cut got thrown But now I'm old, a little wiser now, I'm checking the news These corporate suckers knuckle up and got to sing in the blues They use the same set of principles, abusive and cruel But these are grown men, I don't believe in omens now However, I can see the future, how it's going down You need the root of all our evil just to defeat us, you clown So now my fate is hanging on to what the paper displays Got people acting fake as paper mache the villain takes a life for the sake of dollar bills. The scholar kills for freedom and honor. The greed is nil. Don't need to chill and analyze the surface of the problem. Cause what's underneath is worthy of a holler. A lot of very skeletons irrelevant in the present. From the tenement to the president, sending a message as the president hoping to get in the medicine. to the space you inherit, so...
intention of speaking clearly, but even if I do, you won't hear me. Fear these simple rules, follow who you're supposed to, under penalty of we'll roast you. Not only will we, but we hope to, unless we can get to know you. That's a little bit too close, you can give me space and take it to the hopeful. Social on the networks, putting in the legwork, up until my head hurts. An expert on the excerpts, putting out the best work and living how I can. Trying to find some happiness and living like a man. Is in the fusion instead of hidden inside of the map. Crash course, it's what's for dinner. Cancer to deliver, answer to the winners. Cause there's no helping this hopeless sinner. There ain't no room. 